Why don't you lift up your voices and call upon that name? He is the ever-present helper in times of trouble, in times of distress. If you are in distress, this is the season. There is grace for everything. There is grace to call upon a name that can reveal mysteries. There is grace to call upon the God that has the loving kindness. His mercies endure forever. He is our forerunner. He is a God that knows why he created you. Lift up your voice and say, Father, I thank you that I'm here. I thank you that you have been present. Since the time I was born up to now, you are still with me. You have never abandoned me. Come on, just give him thanks. You have never left me behind. Whenever I move out, you go with me. Whenever I come out, you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. There is somebody here that needs the comfort of the ever-present helper who is always there. Lift up your voices and thank him that you have moved ahead of me. I am so grateful. I glorify you. You are my high priest. You are the king of kings. You are the lord of lords. You do not know failure. Thank you for your great masses. Begin to thank him. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 7, With great masses I will gather you. For a brief moment I have forsaken you, but with great masses I gather you. Lift up your voices and say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you that you have brought me here. Thank you. It's now my opportunity. Thank you for granting me the grace to be in your presence that I can bring up my voice to you. You said that whoever that comes to God Almighty, he will never forsake you. He will never abandon you. He will never ever leave anyone in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that he's our redeemer. He is your redeemer. Even though the mountains shall depart, even though the hills be removed, my kindness shall never be departed from you. Lift up your voices and say, Father, I thank you that you are a covenant keeper. I thank you that your kindness can never be removed. Arise, O God, at this hour. Arise, O God, at this hour. In the name of Jesus, your kindness, your kindness is still upon me. Your nature to be kind is still with my family. Your nature to be kind is still with my marriage. In the name of Jesus, lift up your voices. He said his kindness can never be removed. This is what we are talking about. His kindness lives forever. It's not a contract. No, 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 no. It's not a contract that he has with you. It's, not a, it's called an unconditional love. It's not determined of the circumstances. Begin to lift up his holy name. Say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you that you don't run a contract with me. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. He's a covenant keeper. He never forsakes. He never, even though mountains depart, he remains faithful. He remains the ever-present helper in times of need, in times of trouble, in times of distress. 
in times of need, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. I want us to pray using Psalm chapter 3, verse 4. Psalm chapter 3, we can begin from verse 3. The Bible says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one that lifts up my head. Don't sit yet if you want to pray. We want to do most of the praying. Psalm 3, verse 4, look at it, what it says. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. Somebody say amen. amen. Say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, my head is bowed down. Circumstances have put me down. Circumstances have crushed me. Lift up my head. Be the lift of my head. For every season, for every particular program of the enemy, my head shall be lifted up. Go ahead and just declare that. It doesn't matter whatever the enemy has done. It's a season of lifting up. It's a season of lifting up. It's not a season of casting. It's not a season of bowing. The Lord is a lifter of my head. It doesn't matter whatever program the enemy has for me. I am in the redemption program. Declare it. I am in the redemption program. In the, that program, there is neither head bowed down. There is no frustration. There is no being put down in the redemption program. Lift up your voices and begin to pray. In that redemption program is what Jesus came to do. It's a program for children of God. It's a program that has given you the same legal status with Jesus. It's the same program that grant Jesus the strength to pass through the wilderness. It's that program that made him to die for you on the cross. It's that program of redemption that made him to transfer you from the dark domain into the marvelous light. Go ahead and just declare. Say, let there be light upon my path. Let there be light upon my destiny. Let there be light upon the destiny of my children. Let there be light upon the destiny of my work. Let there be light in the, upon the destiny of my church. It's a redemptive program he has come to carry out. It's a redemptive program. Father, we thank you. Malikapo, Yazakarado, Yekebo, Zekeba, Dikarabo, Shikayababa, Lama Zekredo, Shiama Dezekere, Lama Dikerebo, Shayaba. In the mighty name of Jesus, it's a redemptive program. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. The other thing we need to pray about in the redemptive program where Jesus is our forerunner, there are three basic things in that program. The first one is the recovery. The other one, when, it, when Jesus came, he recovered because, you see, he is the second Adam. The first Adam lost the battle to the devil. The second Adam brought us back to the, to the status where you can now be called a child of God. Somebody say amen. So these three things, is, there is recovery. The other one is there is release and there is deliverance. Somebody say amen. That's why that First John chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible is very clear. Put it up, let them see. 
This, the reason why the Son of Man was manifested, First John chapter 3, verse 8, is because of these things. And that reason is, was to destroy the works of the devil. Look at it. First John chapter 3, verse 8. Verse 8. Uh -huh. The reason the Son of Man, at the end there, was manifested or appeared was to do what? To destroy the works of the devil. And that's why the, the three basic aspects in the redemptive program describe him as somebody that has come to intervene. You see, what Jesus did on the cross is like how a fireman gets onto the scene where there's fire. Somebody say amen. He came to rescue. So in other words, there are slaves that were bound. There are people that don't know what to do. He brought them back using this redemptive program. It's a program. So why don't you lift up your voices and say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, let recovery begin to happen. Recovery, release, deliverance in the name of Jesus. In the redemptive cup program, there is a recovery. Come, begin to pray. Begin to pray. There is a season of recovery, recovering what the enemy had taken away because he did not lose, you know, the, the, Jesus never lost the battle. He brought back the same legal status. Pray into that issue of recovery. If you are online, you need to discover what is this thing for me. I recover all the things Jesus did on the cross. All the things, the spiritual life, I recover. The ability to be in the presence. There is the release. There is the release. That's why this afternoon we're talking about the forerunner. He has already gone ahead to prepare that place. Thank you that I've secured. By believing in you, I have made it secure. I have made those, that place to be secure for me. So all the things that I had lost, I recover them. I recover virtues. I recover everything that had been lost in the name of Jesus. It's a redemptive program. Thank you, Lord. That's why we always say he bought us with a price. Listen to me very carefully. The next prayer item I want to bring you know, before we begin, is that verse you know very well. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone, it doesn't segregate, anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. The old has done what? Look at it there. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In the redemptive program, it is characterized by the new beginning. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. A new beginning of grace. It's not your duty. It's not what you have done. It's not what you have thought that you should be. It's by the grace of God. It's called divine enablement. It's called divine help. It's called divine, you know, assistance. Lift up your voices and say, Father... In the mighty name of Jesus, I embrace the season of grace, a season of divine assistance. The places I never thought I would be in, the things I never thought I would do, the abilities, I tap into them in this season. Everything that is the old, the old life, I abandon it. 
at the feet of the cross, I pick on the new nature, the nature of love, the nature of grace, the nature that embraces, if anyone, lift up your voices and just pray through that prayer. I abandon the old life, the old life with all its characteristics. Behold, I embrace the new, the new that comes with the new beginning, the new that comes with the recovery. It comes with the release. It comes with all sorts of things. It's a package in the mighty name of Jesus. All the past that is rooted in Egypt, all the Babylonian characteristics of life, all the worldly agenda, they shall trouble me no more. Give me divine assistance. Lift up your voices and ask for divine grace, divine assistance, divine enablement to help you in times of need, to help you to live the Christian life, to help you, to help you, to help you, divine assistance. That's what kept Jesus in the wilderness. That's what kept him to go into the wilderness and come out still strong. Father, I ask for divine assistance. I ask for divine, uh, you know, divine assistance, divine help from you. In the mighty name of Jesus. It's in the same program that God can keep you from all evil. Somebody say amen. amen. Psalm 121 verse 7. The Bible says the Lord shall keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Psalm 121 verse 7. It's within the same program. Because when the enemy has deprogrammed, you see what the enemy did in Genesis chapter 3 was to deform the nature of, of, of man, to deform it. When Jesus came, he reformed. I don't know whether you know, he deformed it by the lie he told Eve. And so that thing removed the presence of God from, that, from people. God now who was a friend became a stranger. But Jesus, when the enemy deformed, Jesus came to reform. So the redemption program is a, a program that brings reformation. It brings reformation and reawakening. That reawakening happens only by the Spirit. And it's by the Spirit that you are able to live the Christian life. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I think let's take the Luke 1. Then we begin to, to look at some of the things, two things. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Now, as it opens, you need to understand where he was coming from. The Bible says in Luke chapter 3, verse 21, he had just been baptized. And now, when he finished the program of being baptized, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form, and now, by the time he went to the wilderness, he was not empty. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit. There is the fullness of the Spirit. Somebody say amen. The fullness. Where you now are in the overflow. Now, look at it. Returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. We are in the season of Lent. That's why we are talking about Jesus, the high priest, as the forerunner, 
that Hebrews chapter 6. I will go there very soon, which is the topic for today. But I thought we should clarify, you know, this prayer session to handle some of the things the enemy has lied to, his, to God's people. So he went into the wilderness, a difficult experience with the fullness of the Spirit. So that particular program, when you are in it, it doesn't matter which wilderness is in place, the Spirit of God is with you. But how did he get it? Go back to Luke chapter 3 and verse 20 to 21. How did he get the Spirit? Because it's not just that he just came and then the Spirit was upon him and then things began to happen. How he got it is actually, you know, by prayer. Luke chapter 3 and verse 21. Let's focus on 21. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized, and he was praying. That's how we got it. That's how we got it. The heavens were opened. And he was what? Praying. Lift up your hand and say, Father, in this redemptive program, open up my understanding. Give me the grace to rise up to prayer. To rise up to the topmost aspect of prayer. Grant me the spirit of grace and supplication over my life. That I may be full of the Holy Ghost. Go ahead and begin to ask him in the name of Jesus. This season grant me the grace to stand in the place of prayer. It's not a place where you just get full of the spirit. No, 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 no. I don't want dryness. I am looking for the strength to stand. I am looking for divine strength to stand by prayer, by prayer, by prayer, by prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, give me the grace in this season, Lord God Almighty, let the grace fall upon me to rise above circumstances, even wilderness circumstances. You cannot face wilderness circumstances without the Spirit. You can't. You cannot face wood and circumstances without the power of God. You cannot face wood and circumstances without the power that is available. Give me the grace to remain in your presence. To remain in your presence. To remain in your presence. To remain in your presence, in your presence. by prayer. By prayer. By prayer. By prayer. That I may remain. That's how you remain relevant. You know, you remain relevant not because you have done anything but by prayer. Let my prayer life, let rivers begin to flow out of me. Let rivers begin to flow out of my soul. Let rivers, you are the fountain. The Bible says it's the fountain of living waters. Let rivers begin to flow, begin to flow out of me. Rivers of wisdom, rivers of understanding, rivers of revelation, revelational knowledge, rivers of total, you know, manifestation of the power of God, rivers of greater heights of dimension. I release my life to you. I release my soul to you. I release my soul totally to you. Take over, take over my life. Take over my marriage. Let the spirit of grace, supplication fall upon me, fall upon me in the redemptive prayer. In the redemptive program, let there be grace. Let there be grace. Let there be grace. 
in the mighty name of Jesus, grace to move through difficult circumstances. It doesn't matter what has happened. Let there be serenity, peace upon me. Declare peace upon yourself. I declare peace upon my life. I shall not be moved. I shall not be moved. Circumstances. The Bible says, although the mountains be departed, my love for you will remain. My kindness. I shall not be moved by circumstances. Instead, I shall move circumstances. In the name of Jesus. Pray that prayer. You have the capacity to speak like Jesus spoke in Mark chapter 11. Instead, circumstances shall move. I shall not be driven by circumstances. Maybe in my marriage. Maybe in my clan. The clan issue is not your issue. The issue is the ability to know how to move mountains and command them to relocate. So every mountain in my life, I command you to relocate. Lift up your voices. Relocate, 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 relocate. I shall not be moved. Instead, I move mountains because it is written. What is this mountain? Use the rubber bell. What is this mountain all about? It is by the power of the Holy Spirit and by faith I shall not be moved. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 12 to 13, the Lord said, I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt. But then he said something to the children of Israel. He said, the blood, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, what will happen? I will pass over you and no plague will be for you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That blood now is the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Say I plead the blood over my family, over my children, over every circumstance. I hide in the pavilion of the Lord. I hide in the glory of the Lord. I hide in the glory. I hide in the glory. I plead the blood. That blood of animals is now over. We are not talking about the blood of Jesus. And the Bible said that that blood of Jesus speaks a better word for me. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the work on the cross. We thank you, Lord, for the work that happened on the cross. On the cross, you put to an end all the worries, the anxieties, and satanities, fears. So whatever fear I have, I lay it at the feet of the cross. Lay it there, lay it there. That's the secret. I lay it on the feet of the cross. I put it there and I abandon it. I am no longer concerned with any fear. I am no longer concerned with any anxiety. I am no longer concerned with any worry and satanity because I have surrendered it totally, totally in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. We're going to spend a few minutes. We'll look at Hebrews chapter 6 and then we'll launch into another prayer session. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13. If you have your Bible uh, or if you are following us online, you are welcome. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 13. You know, throughout this week, we've been examining the different aspects of who Jesus is. And this series helps us to understand and appreciate why he finally landed on the cross. It also brings out the facts of what the cross is all about. Because very soon, we are going to be, you know, recommemorating the season, you know, of, 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 uh, of, of, of uh, you know, that week, the Holy Week, and then ultimately the Easter season. Hebrews 6.13, when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he saw by himself, saying, surely, blessing I bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. Verse 15, and so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. I'll come back to that issue of patiently. Verse 16, for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, mark that, we might have strong consolation. Some versions say strong confidence. Somebody say amen. Strong confidence. About what? Who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. You know, our hope is not a hope that disappoints. Romans already made it clear. Now look at from verse 19. This hope, which hope? The hope that cannot be disappointed. He said, this hope we have as an anchor. He's talking about Jesus. Both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner, that's Jesus now, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become High priest, forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Somebody say amen. The forerunner, the high priest. You see, the book of Hebrews describes what Jesus came to do in the context of the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament is a shadow. But the New Testament is a substance. Somebody say amen. The Old Testament pictures things. For example, you can look at quite a number of things, the cross and how Jesus suffers and the kinds of promises that God gives that are coming out of the redemption plan. Are we together? Because God works with covenants. God is not a person of contracts. Contracts don't work with God. Why is it that they don't work? Because contracts depend on how good you will be. Contracts are dependent heavily on how 
probably they, you know, each, each part in a contract is trying to shield, you know, is trying to, to protect its individual rights. In a contract, circumstances will define your relationship. Circumstances. That's why during COVID-19 effects, when, you know, when COVID-19 hit, most organizations say, ah, you know what, all contracts are suspended. You can't suspend a covenant. Are we together? God works with the covenant because God is faithful. Because God knows that he will always fulfill every plan that he has put in motion for you. Somebody say amen. And so the new covenant, the old covenant was dependent on the, the things that the people needed to do. But then, although the anointing was available, they had no power to sustain the life as God wanted it. The law. There was nothing inside of them to live the life that God wanted. Are we together? The Old Testament depended on, the, you see, the Torah did not grant them the power, the strength to live a life that God wants. The New Testament changed that. In the New Testament, God is with you through his Holy Spirit. He comes to reside inside you. Somebody say amen. And that's why when the old covenant was expired, when God expired it, he brought in something better. The book of Hebrews describes the coming of Jesus as a better covenant. Because the better covenant offered a way on how to live, not because of any other, but the powers inside of you. It's called the indwelling of the spirit. That's why you need to be born again. Are we together? Okay, take a man like Samson. Samson, with all the anointing, and he was doing amazing things, very strong man, but the man did not have character. The man did not learn how to live without, you know, uh, uh, going out with prostitutes. The man did not live a life that matched a Nazarite, because a Nazarite was a set-apart person. There were certain things he was not supposed to do. Otherwise, he would lose the anointing. So now, when he did those things, they, when they shaved off his hair, and then he was as useless as any other person. That hair symbolized the anointing. Because it was made very clear to the parents, this should not happen, he shall not drink wine, he shall not do A, B, C, D. In the New Testament, it's not about now that you shouldn't do this ABCD. It's now consecration of heart, circumcision of your heart, setting yourself apart because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why he resides now. Praise the Lord. In the New Covenant, the covenant is better because it does not require that that particular person does something to reach God. Instead, God reaches out through the forerunner, Jesus Christ himself. That's why the Bible says that he became a high priest forever. It's not a, he's not a high priest for temporary basis. Are we together? He became a high priest forever and he entered. In other words, where the forerunner enters is talking about the symbolic nature of the veil that divided. It was like something that, you know, you can't just go in. 
But when Jesus died, that veil was torn into two. Somebody say amen. And so the New Testament offers a better covenant because there is power to live the Christian life. That's why Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, went into the wilderness. All the temptations that you can say, this one tempted me, Jesus went through them. And he came out, and I think it was Reverend Florence the other morning, she was talking about, you know, having all the temptations. It doesn't matter what temptation. Jesus went through all of them because of the fullness of the Spirit. That's the secret. The secret is not in, uh, you know, praying words with words that are designed in a certain way. The secret is not in, uh, you know, lay hands on me only. There is that. There is impartation. The secret is learning how to host the presence of God in your life. Somebody say amen. And when he came out, you can check Luke chapter uh, 4. When he came out, he came out still full of the Holy Spirit. He didn't lose the anointing. Because he's not in contract with the Holy Spirit. He is in a covenantal relationship. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity. And he came to show us that it is possible to live a life not driven by circumstances. Hmm? Not driven by which wind blew which side. Not driven by so and so, you know, has hidden my papers under, my, you know, under their desk. Because you can call back those papers to line up with the destiny God has given you. He's not driven by so and so is taking my business. He's not driven by, you know, I am here all this time I have been praying, but it's driven by constant feeding of the word and walking right and nurturing the gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift. The Bible actually says that the Holy Spirit is given to those who obey him. Obedience. Obedient based. One of the characteristics of the new covenant is obedience. Is obedience. When you learn how to obey him, you're going to see that things are easier. In the redemption plan, one of the things that Jesus used even throughout his earthly life is obedience. The Bible says he became obedient to the point of what? To the point of death. And when he was on earth, he was trying to demonstrate that aspect of obedience because it also works through the outworking of miracles. For example, in John chapter 2, he told the people and he said, take this water and then they were lacking wine. They were not lacking water. He told them, fill these stone jars, you know, with water. And it's at that point when they obeyed, that's when the miracle happened. Somebody say amen. So he was trying to obey, I mean, to teach them obedience. What works in the new covenant is obedience. That's why God had a problem with the people of Israel. In the, in, in, in the, the book of Exodus, when they came out, all the issues they went through. Actually, what led to some of them not going into the promised land is disobedience. Disobedience. So one of the things we're going to pray here is to handle that matter so that your heart can become a heart of flesh, not a heart that is so rigid, a heart that resists the power, a heart that resists, you know, the things God wants to do. You get it by obedience. The Holy Spirit, the baptism, you receive him by obedience. Peter said to those who obey him. Somebody say amen. 
So the new covenant is a covenant when people are supposed to be led by the Spirit. Are we together? In the new covenant, they are not led by anything which is just a shadow. In the new covenant, they are led by the Spirit. And when they are led by the Spirit, then that's when they become sons of God. Somebody say amen. For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. In the new covenant, it's no longer about guessing. They are not guessing to say, how do I now do this? In the new covenant, they are part and parcel of what God is already doing. They are sons. They are disciples. They are not followers of something they don't know. They are sons. They are daughters. They are not just business partners. They are the owners. The, the Bible says you are a co-heir with Christ. Why? Because of what Hebrews is saying here. When he entered as a forerunner, what produced, what came out is that you and I are now co-heirs with Christ. That's why a man can stand and speak with authority and the thing is established. Because you don't speak from the point of view of lamentation, of guessing. You speak from the point of view of knowledge. In other words, you know who you are. Somebody say amen. In the new covenant, what defines that person is not mere talk. It's substance. He experiences it. When a man experiences the new birth, he has now understood what it means to be in the covenant where Jesus has already paved a way for him to move. And when that happens, he cannot give his life, no matter what circumstances in operation in their lives. He will not change his confession. Maybe I need to end with that. In the new covenant, you know, matters are not concluded by wind. They are very clear. In the new covenant, the word, the promises, and I think I read it to you somewhere. It should be Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. The Bible says, in which it is impossible for God to lie. It's impossible. In the new covenant, the word of God carries the grace and power to help you. That's why we began by looking at God being the ever-present helper in times of trouble. So when the trouble comes, you go back to what the promise is about that issue. Somebody say amen. In other words, you don't change your confession because of the circumstance. It's the circumstance that aligns to the confession. I think I need to say that again. You don't change the confession of the world, but you align the circumstance to align it to the promise that God says. And that's one prayer we're going to pray. Because many believers are so discouraged because they, they now see the wind and then they now blow. This morning we are talking about ego sense in prayer. And we are talking about how an ego soars and goes against the storm. Against the storm. Against the storm. In the new covenant, you don't go, you don't say now that there is, you are driven by a circumstance. You don't change the confession of the word. You confess the same thing because you know that when I saw the strength that I'm spending is always renewed. Somebody say amen. And that's why when he got on the boat, when he got on the boat and he was going with the disciples, 
When they saw him, he was walking on water, and they cried, Master, we are dying. He now commanded the storm to be still, but he was continuing. Somebody say amen. Stand on your feet. We're going to pray three prayers, just three. The first prayer will be this issue of total, you know, consecration, asking God to set yourself apart from all the things that have driven you. You now no longer want to see what God is doing. You want to see what the devil is doing. That one is not important. What is important is what God is doing. In the program of God, there is the part he's doing. Focus on that one. Don't focus on what the devil is doing. Lift up your hand and say, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, deprogram my mind. Deprogram my, my mind, my heart. And remove all sorts of unbelief in me. Take them away. Unbelief, faithlessness, everything that has blocked my eyes, everything that has blocked my hearing system. I know that the conclusion of the matter ends ended at the cross. I know that I am not circumstance driven because Jesus is my forerunner. Lift up your voices and begin to pray that prayer. Father, I thank you. You have already allowed that Jesus be seated on the throne. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is reigning. I shall reign with him. Thank you for making me a priest and a king. Thank you, Lord, for the forerunner that has gone ahead, that has gone ahead already. There is a redemptive program that took Jesus to go and sit at the right hand of the Father. I shall not change my confession. Go ahead and pray that prayer. My confession remains. My confession remains. My confession stays. My confession, oh God, of your word, the promises of your word remain, remain, remain. They are never suspended. They are never suspended. No, 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 no. The devil cannot suspend your promises. The devil cannot put them at bay. The devil cannot put them at waiting, pending. No, 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 no. The devil cannot put anything that belongs to God on pending. He shall move from pending to the place of manifestation because Jesus has already gone ahead of me. Because Jesus has already gone ahead of me. In the mighty name of Jesus. The second prayer we're going to pray. I told you that we have moved from the Old Testament to the New Covenant, which is a better covenant. And I told you that that covenant, the Spirit of God is, who, is the one that leads, is the one that takes charge. That Spirit leads you and does not leave you in the valley. He comes with you up out of the valley. Somebody say amen. Lift up your voice and say, Father, every valley, mountain, crooked place, every valley, mountain, crooked place, hear the word of the Lord. I, I am a child of God. My promises are in the word of God. I am regenerated by the blood of Jesus. Today, I choose to come out of the valley by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, go ahead and ask the Spirit to help you. The same Spirit that helped Jesus 
to pass through the circumstances in the wilderness is going to help you. Help me. I choose to come out. I'm ready. Spirit of the living God, I know you don't leave me in the valley. I know you don't leave me in the valley. You don't leave me there. You move with me. You move with me to get out. You make a way in the valley. You are the God of the mountain. You level the mountains. Impossibilities begin to be possible. Everything that was hard is taken at the foot of the cross. I move through the valley, Lord, by your spirit. I don't want to move there alone. I ask of the spirit to assist me. Release divine assistance. Lift up your voices. Lift up your voices. Ask for divine assistance. Say, Father, I, I ask for divine assistance out of the valleys which life has brought. Out of the valleys which life has brought. I move out of every valley because I belong to the new covenant. The covenant where God is not a liar. The covenant where is the king. The covenant where he is the master. In the mighty name of Jesus. The covenant where there is no other name under any other name other than the name of Jesus. Father, thank you. I honor you. I exhort you. The last prayer we are going to pray is the issue of God not being a liar. Are we together? So whatever God has spoken, believe it. So what I do now when I'm discouraged, when my faith is low, I read that word, I simply take it by what it says, I leave that prayer item answered according to the word. And that has worked very well because I don't have to struggle to begin to think that maybe God hasn't heard me. God hears you. When you read the promise, it is a promise that has come to you. And because God cannot lie, the promise stays. Therefore, it is not a lie. Somebody say amen. Lift up your voices and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, every voice of the enemy that discourages me, that tells me that God is a liar, I cast it out of my life. In the name of Jesus, I embrace the promises of God that work for me, that work for my family, that work for my business, that work for my workplaces, that work for me. In the name of Jesus, just pray that prayer. The promises, the enemy knows that these are promises that work because they are part and parcel of the covenantal relationship. Every promise that you have released in your world, I know you are not a liar. Tell God, says, no, no, I know. Sorry, God, I have been making a mistake to believe in what the devil is saying. I know you are not a liar. When you say, I will come in your midst, you are there. When you say, I will do this, you are there. When you arise, the enemies will scatter. Father, I thank you because you are not a liar. Because it is impossible for God to lie. So I embrace all the promises that the Lord has given. Thank you, Father. Come on, just begin to thank him. Begin to give him praise. Give him to tell him, say, Lord, thank you. Because you are my forerunner. 
because you are my God, my awesome God, because you are greater than any lie of the devil, in the mighty name of Jesus. Our Father and our God, we thank you because Jesus has gone ahead of us and he now sits at the right hand of the Father. He intercedes for each one of these, your children. So before the accusation of the enemy comes along, there is an advocate. Somebody say amen. There is an advocate to advocate for me. There is an advocate for our church. There is an advocate for my business. There is an advocate for my marriage. There is an advocate for my destiny. And so, Father, we ask that even as we leave this place, every report of accusation of the enemy be torn apart. And Lord, we walk out with a rewritten report that sanctions and stamps the promises of God Almighty. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And somebody say, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.